Today's episode of Green and White Noise is brought to you by GameTime. Okay, folks, time for a little pop quiz. Do you think Michigan State tickets are cheaper three weeks or three hours before the game? Well, you can find the answer with GameTime, the ticket-buying app that proves patience is more than just a virtue. It can save you some serious cash. GameTime is the leader in last-minute tickets. Pick your deal, see the view from where you're sitting, and buy in two taps. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discover the fastest, easiest way to get into the game, including someone who tweeted at us last week that they actually used it for the MSU Wisconsin game and got cheaper tickets than they saw elsewhere. So there's a testimonial for you. So download Game Time in the App Store or Google Play, work that clock to your advantage, and score some last-minute tickets. Oh, they'll fake it. Bates throws it. He's got him. Wide open. He's got Charlie Gant inside the 10. He can walk in. Spartans win. Touchdown, MSU. Well, he has trouble with the snap. And the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State. Jalen wants Jackson. And he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome to Green and White Noise. My name is Chris Vanini. I'm joined by Colton Pouncey. We are your hosts, and it's time to talk Michigan State football, cheese curds, and dumbass questions. Colton, <laughs> how's it going, man? I'm good, man. You know, I'm just trying. I'm just out here trying not to be a dumbass. Um, probably going to make that my new life motto, actually. <laughs> Easier said than done, but I'll try my best. Now, you are... As we're recording this, you're still in Madison, and before we get into the game, we got a voicemail, a listener voicemail, uh, regarding your visit to Madison. So let's let's start there first. Hi, this is Nicole. Um, I am not the Nicole from Bachelor in Paradise, and also not Snooky, but probably the third most famous Nicole that you guys know. Um, and my question is really location dependent um that this game was in madison so i was just wondering if the fact that you can get spotted cow actually offsets the game that you just had to watch or if it's so dreadful that even spotted cow did not make it better all right thanks look forward to listening to this now that voice sounded kind of familiar to both of us didn't it colton yeah just a little bit but i can't think of any nicole's uh Especially, you know, I can't think of a single Nicole that works for the athletic college football. Um, so, I don't know. That was kind of weird. But I do appreciate Nicole checking in on my well-being <laughs> after that game. Um, I actually did grab a spotted cow at a bar near campus Saturday night. Um, nice. You know, I think I, I aged about 10 years watching that game. So, <laughs> a spotted cow was definitely needed. Yes. Madison's a great town for anybody who hasn't gone. Highly recommend it. And we're yeah. glad you got it this Glad you got the spotted cow. Was that your first time up there or what? I've been there a couple times before. Um, I love Madison, honestly. I think it's a great town. Uh, probably the best college town in the Big Ten, if I'm being honest. Uh, campus is beautiful. Um, I actually went to the Old Fashioned to get those cheese curds that everyone talks about. Um, the best in America. Um, yes. Camp Randall was rocking, like literally. <laughs> like That was my first time being there for, for Jump Around. Like I, I had no idea what it was going into it. But um, for those of you who don't know, it's basically, you know, I think once during a game, like Wisconsin plays a song, jump around the entire stadium jumps around pretty self-explanatory, but the press box shakes and it's really cool. Like 
you know, you can feel it kind of feels like a, you know, a mini earthquake in a way. Uh, my guy, Matt Charbonneau was complaining up in the press box, but I loved it. <laughs> I had a good time. Um, so yeah, the trip to Madison was great. I probably had a better time than the Michigan state did, which is yes. becoming a theme for these road trips. But <laughs> yeah, I had a good time. Yeah, I was, I, I covered the game there in 2009. So that was my okay. one experience there. And, uh, it was a good time. Yeah. Uh, so for those of you listening, we appreciate you listening. The Thursday reminder that our weekly Thursday pod will always preview the upcoming game. That's for athletic subscribers only. Highly recommend you check that out. If you're listening, you probably know what the athletic is, and we recommend you follow through and pull the trigger on that. We had the athletics Jesse Temple on last week, uh, Wisconsin writer, and he gave us a good breakdown of what you expected to see, and it's pretty much what we did see. So we will not have a uh, reporter on this week since it's a bye, but the Thursday pod is a good listen for everybody, so check that out. So Michigan State loses 38 to nothing, 17 nothing at halftime. It was never really interesting or felt close at all. No. Initial takeaways, I'll start in that it was, you know, since 2007 when I was a freshman in D'Antonio's first year, this this might have been the most lifeless performance that we've seen from, from this program. Just zero energy right from the get-go, completely steamrolled by a team that uh, is good, but MSU made so many of its own mistakes and never really uh, gave it a chance and based on some of the other listener voicemails we got coming up, a lot of people kind of felt the same way about that. Uh, Colton, you were there, obviously. What was you know what was that experience, and what's kind of your initial takeaways? Yeah, I mean, I tend to agree. Uh, I've only been on B for two years, but I can't remember another game as you know lifeless as that. Um, and I wasn't expecting Michigan State to win this game, but I was expecting some sort of battle. Um, Wisconsin just dominated this game from start to finish. Uh, Michigan State punted nine times in 11 drives, had six three Oof. and outs, uh, nine drives under two minutes and five under one minute. <laughs> That's not so going to get done. Yeah, you know, it's it's important that they don't run offensive tempo because then you'll be going quickly three and out and giving the ball back to the opponent. But what happens when you go slow three and out and give it back? It's the same thing. Yeah. I just hope. So, not that anything was really working, but – yeah. Maybe could have tried some tempo, as I like to say, every week. Right. But just no no rhythm offensively whatsoever. And then the defense, you know, a defense that prides itself on being one of the best in the country, they couldn't get a stop against Jack Cohen. You know, he channeled his inner Michael Penix in this game and went um, 18 for 21, looked like he wasn't going to miss a pass all day. Um, I thought he made every throw he needed to make. And that was kind of the goal coming into the game. Um, you know, they held Jonathan Taylor under 100 yards rushing, which is a really, you know, that's a good accomplishment. But I think, you you know, to win this game, I thought Jack Cohen was going to have to make some of those throws. He, I think he made every single one he needed to make in that game. Um, you know, he made almost every single throw, period. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, Wisconsin still put up 223 yards on the ground. So that just shows you how many different ways they can beat you. They look like one of the most complete teams in the country. Um, and they showed that from start to finish in this game. Yeah, MSU's leading rusher was linebacker Tyreek Thompson. Yikes. Who had 20 yards on a fake punt. Yeah. Brian Lewerke, 7 for 16, 53 yards in interception. Who He he had played well most of the year, and we, we had talked about that, especially the last two games we thought he had played smart. But just right from the beginning, nothing was there. Throws were high. Yep. Good throws were dropped. 
he already, he came into this game with the most drops in the country among receivers and he didn't get much help, but he also didn't help them much either. Uh, off, yeah. Elijah Collins averaged two yards per carry in case you were wondering how the, uh, the, the running back situation with, without two transfers was, uh, was going to be. Also Matt Cyber tight end getting in the backfield on, on third and long uh, yep. pass protection situations. So yep, that, not, that was, yeah. I don't know if you yeah, wanted th- back there. No, well, that was something you had mentioned last week. Uh, I think on the Thursday pod was uh, they've lost their best blocking backs. So when you need a running back in there to block, can Elijah Collins do it? They seem to not really think so, and that's why they had a tight end back there and kind of gives away what you're doing. Yeah, uh, that, uh, that's kind of all they got. So, uh, Colton, you were talking to coaches and players afterward. Um, we know what D'Antonio said. We'll get to that uh, a little bit later. But what was kind of the general mood among among everybody after such a uh, lifeless performance? Yeah, I mean, you just you just mentioned it. It was lifeless talking to players after the game. Um, you know, even like one of the few bright spots, Tyreek Thompson, who was, like you mentioned, the leading rusher with 20 yards in that game. Uh, he was asked about his fake punt and, and just sort of brushed it off and said, hey, like it, that doesn't matter. We lost the game. And he's right. Um, so players, you know, they were asked where the team goes from here. And really the only thing they could muster up was the bye week came at a perfect time and we just have to regroup. But that's just sort of like the canned answer at this point. Every player was saying that. And I mean, yeah, you can kind of relax and, and try to get your mind right during the bye. But these problems that we're seeing from this team have been going on for years. And you know, a bye week is not going to change that. Um, so... There just wasn't much to say. Um, the players were in and out pretty quickly, and we won't see them again until next week. So um, it was a strange night, and uh, you know there wasn't a lot of excitement in that room. There were moments early where it felt like the Ohio State game, where uh, if they had gotten, if they had made a couple plays, maybe they get some momentum early and it carries and it carries on. But they they never were able to get that momentum in any sense. Uh, really kind of like Ohio State. There was Lewerke missed a wide-open Daryl Stewart on a deep a deep pass mm-hmm. at one point, and there was just nothing was ever working. So let's uh, let's let's pull up some some listener voicemails here. A reminder: we, we we open the line after the game every week. The number is five one seven seven nine eight six three one nine. Tweeted out after the game, and we got a handful of uh, calls here. So let's first go to. AJ in Grand Rapids. Hey guys, this is AJ from Grand Rapids. I was just calling to uh, just say they're. they're I, I think the score line was honestly kind to state today. Um, I didn't come in expecting to win, but I came in expecting to compete. It just seems like this team has finally quit on the coaching staff. Uh, the the defense, you know, even did a good job on uh, Jonathan Taylor, but. Uh, it just really seems like as if with their backs against the wall, season against the line, their goal is still in front of them. Um, they just didn't show up. Credit to Wisconsin. They're obviously really good. But um, this was just honestly really, really disheartening to see. Anyway, thanks, guys. Bye-bye. Yeah, I mean, this is this game was really a, a signal to how far MSU has fallen and that they're not competitive in the big games against good teams whom have a similar talent level. You can kind of understand getting blown out by Ohio State, a team that's always had 
much more talent. But Wisconsin's not that. Wisconsin shouldn't be that. And MSU is not at all competitive in this game. MSU is just not playing up to the level of its opponents anymore. It's it's not overachieving like it used to. And we'll we'll talk more kind of state of the program Thursday since it's a bye. But Colton, you you I mean you wrote about this after the game about realizing how far MSU has fallen over the last handful of years. Yeah, I mean this team came into the season with with sky high expectations, um, a Big Ten championship, best defense ever for Mark Antonio, a Rose Bowl, all the stuff. Um, and you know before the Ohio State game, Mark Antonio said he wanted to see how his team stacked up against the best in the league. But when you score ten total points against those teams. That just kind of shows you where you are as a program right now. So Wisconsin embarrassed this team. Um, and like you mentioned, it's not like they have a significant talent advantage. You know, they're recruiting around, you know, the same kind of players, same caliber players. Um, Wisconsin just has an identity and they, they played it that well. Uh, so this just isn't a Big Ten championship level team. Um, and at this point, I think they should be thrilled if they finish eight and four in the regular season. Yeah, I mean, I mean, at this point, you're just – the goal is make a bowl game. I mean, th- this will be the first MSU senior class four years under D'Antonio that doesn't win the Big Ten. And through four years, they were never really even that close, like, at all. So, mm-hmm. again, it's kind of where things are, where, uh, where, where the energy is at. We got a, a next one voicemail coming up uh, from a listener in Katy, Texas. Uh, whose voice might sound a little bit familiar to uh, to listeners. Yo, the man from Katy, Texas. Honestly, I'm uh, actually I'm free now. I don't have to worry about this team anymore, and it's kind of nice. I don't need to stress about it, and I've completely given it up and kind of forgot they're playing today. So it was great, but it is concerning. Uh, are the? It feels like. D'Antonio's days are over. It's kind of crazy. I wouldn't be surprised if he retires at the end of the season. Um, yeah, I don't have anything funny or weird to say right now other than I think uh, new things might be on the way. I don't know. They need a new – the program's a – I don't know. I don't even know what to say. The program is in a kind of a scary spot right now. Anyways, that's all. That's the the man who soiled his drawers after the Arizona State <laughs> game earlier in the year. But you know, I think his lack of energy in the call is the lack of energy we saw from Michigan State on the field. It's the lack of energy I think a lot of fans have right now. That uh, it's it's becomes a bit of a, a chore to watch this offense work at times. Uh, there was no energy from from the the players or the coaches and that that falls on leadership and it falls on the coaches. I mean, the second half basically turned into MSU goes three and out big 10 network cuts to a shot of a dejected D'Antonio. They punt, go to a commercial and that's that it happened like four or five times. Uh, I mean, at least, uh, at least the way MSU plays this way, his, uh, the listener's pants are clean, but, just other than that, yeah. I mean, there, there was just no, there was no fire. Yeah, he sounded more lifeless than MSU looked Saturday. Um, I assume he's not alone either. You know, we had a couple other voicemails that that didn't make this podcast that were, you know, pretty similar in tone. Um, so I, I just think that's where the fan base is right now. They're just kind of fed up and tired, and you know, it's understandable. And last one we'll play here. 
from Jeremy in Virginia, who put a little bit of a twist on his call. Hi, this is Jeremy from Virginia. Uh, just a couple things. First, as soon as the game ended, my six-year-old daughter asked, when does basketball season start? So she gets it. Second, I wrote a limerick about the game. A huge Big Ten matchup at twilight. Spartans' offense still doesn't look quite right. Taylor was stopped, but lots of passes were dropped. At least the punt game is tight. That is some great analysis from Jeremy. It's beautiful. Beautiful. Yep, they did stop Jonathan Taylor, but they did drop passes and they couldn't do much else. And the punt team with Jake Hartberger uh, was great. And to answer his daughter's question, Midnight Madness is October 25th. (laughs) First exhibition is against Albion on October 29th. Champions Classic against Kentucky is November 5th. I didn't realize it was that far away because there there have been a lot of college basketball teams doing Midnight Madness, so I kind of thought basketball was about to start, but yeah, it's actually several weeks away. What, what did you think of the the rhyming? Just just beautifully written, honestly. Excellent work, Jeremy. <laughs> uh, and for those of you who are ready for basketball season, I understand. Uh, subscribe to The Athletic. Brendan Coyne is the best college hoops writer in America. Uh, but at the same time, I will say, please keep reading my stories if it's not too much trouble. <laughs> Absolutely. That's all I ask. Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's what I got for that. <laughs> so thanks, everybody, for those calls. We'll keep doing this. Feel free to vent. Again, we had a uh, we had a nine-minute call last week that we couldn't play because it was nine minutes long. There's actually three three-minute calls all <laughs> in one. Uh, we appreciate the uh, enthusiasm, um, but we appreciate the, those calls keeping it just to about a minute or less. So... Let's take it now to kind of what's the biggest talking point coming out of the game, and that is Mark D'Antonio, after the game, asked about not making any offensive coaching changes, and uh, he was a little uh, little frustrated, so let's play that. Top 25 teams this year lost to all three, only scored 17 points. Seven games in, was it a mistake to not bring in new offensive staff? And if not so, how do you fix it? Well, I don't think you talk, I don't think we ask those questions right now. We're six, seven, seven games into the schedule. I think that's sort of a dumbass question, to be quite honest with you. So it's not a, it's not a dumbass question. It's, it's the number one most relevant question about the program right now. And it falls squarely on D'Antonio's shoulders because it was his decision. Uh, now, I, I will say, I, I think the play calling actually has mostly been fine this year. There were a handful of bad jet sweeps that have returned the last couple of games. It was a wildcat against Ohio State. But other than that, I think Brad Salem has done a fine job. Again, MSU leads the country and drops. The workies missed a handful of guys. The offensive line's completely banged up. So there is only so much you can do. But the biggest issue is that the player development isn't there. The, the discipline isn't there. The, the actual coaching part just is not showing up on the field. Nobody's really getting better throughout their four years. Uh, and to D'Antonio's point that, I, I mean, I think you're saying it was a dumbass question because it's the middle of the season. But, I mean, firing a coordinator in the middle of the season is not unprecedented at all. It happens quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Last year, last year Minnesota fired its defense coordinator 
midway through the season, and it kind of really turned everything around for that unit, and the guy who got the interim job was promoted to the full-time job, and Minnesota's now 6-0. and But D'Antonio doesn't fire people, period. He's only fired really one guy, Ted Gill, uh, years and years ago. So the idea of him firing somebody in the middle of the season isn't going to happen. But that doesn't mean the question shouldn't be asked. It should be asked because he should answer for it because it was his call and he's in charge. Um, Colton, you were obviously there front row for that thing. What did you make of that? Yeah, I have a lot to say about this. (laughs) Um, Look, guys, this was a a totally fair and legitimate question by Hondo. Um, I, I do think the offense has improved to an extent. You know, players are healthy. Some guys are having solid individual seasons, and the play calling has been better, in my opinion. But you can't just show up against Western Michigan, Indiana, and Northwestern. Um, for a team that has the goals that Michigan State does, that's not going to cut it. You have to show up against the top competition if you want to be taken seriously. This is now the fourth time in seven games that the offense has scored one offensive touchdown or fewer. That's that's a large enough sample size to know what you're working with. Um I thought Mark D'Antonio deserved the benefit of the doubt going into the season. Um, you know, he's, I think he's kind of earned that. But the way I viewed it, if, if this didn't work out, all of the heat was going to be on him. It's not working out right now. And that's what we're seeing right now. So I, I think the criticism is absolutely warranted. And, and then for those of you who are kind of agreeing and saying it, it was a dumbass question, I'd just like to know why. Because if it's the person who asked it, you know, whatever, I don't think that should matter much. Um, is it because everyone knows D'Antonio wouldn't throw his coaches under the bus? I mean, that's fine, but you got to let him speak for himself. You know, he's a grown man. He's been in this profession for decades. Um, he can answer that question however he wants. Um, and then the timing of it, I saw some people saying that maybe that's a better question for Tuesday. But honestly, the real answers, the real emotion tends to come out after games like this. So if that question was asked on Tuesday, you know, we might have gotten a line about, a, you know, player execution or something along those lines instead of this real in-the-moment answer that showed, you know, D'Antonio still trusting his guys. That was his answer, you know, a dumbass question. That was a, a in-the-moment response. So that's what we got. So I have no issues with the timing. Um, I have no issues with the question, and that's just my two cents on it. Yeah, no, I mean, you, you want that heat-of-the-moment real answer and not the canned planned response he would have for Tuesday or something. So, I mean, it's a question everybody's asking. I mean, <laughs> absolutely. Well, it's, it's the only thing everybody's talking about. So obviously you ask it to him and, and, uh, and it, it, it seems to be getting to him. I mean, this wasn't quite the, the next question that he, D'Antonio did against Eastern Michigan a number of years ago where he kind of really wouldn't answer questions, but um, it, 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 he put a, he put, you know, he put his, he put a good chunk of his legacy on this decision and it uh it hasn't paid off and we we had one more call from aj and Gurner rapids at, at we didn't want to play twice because he called in twice but he he, he aj compared d'antonio to arson wegner the former arsenal manager of the english soccer club actually that was a really good comparison wegner was a guy who took arsenal to some incredible heights won some championships but he kind of held on too long in the last bunch of years they they were never they were no longer competing for championships they were like above average but you know they were competing for fourth place not competing for first place and i i think that's kind of where things sit with d'antonio right now although i will note that wegner stepped down and arsenal hasn't gotten any better but i thought it was an interesting um comparison 
Uh, let's go to our weekly awards, which Colton, I forgot to put in the podcast outline before we started recording. That's but good. there's not there's not a lot to choose from anyway. But the the um, the Le'Veon Bell, how did he do that moment of the game? Not a lot to choose from. I'm gonna go with the fake punt, Tyree Thompson. <laughs> A very impressive run, we should say. It was not like a fourth and one situation. You know, he looked good hanging hanging on the ball, pushing guys over. I thought that, that was, was a good. I thought that was Trey Mosley. Like that's how fast I thought he was moving. Trey Mosley's a well, wide receiver. That's what the broadcast said. Did it? Okay, maybe that's why. I, I think yeah. they said it in the press box too. So maybe that's why I got confused. Okay, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, and they mentioned that was like his first touch of the year, and I it just I started tweeting about Ted Mosby because that's what it sounded like. Okay. Uh, but then yeah. I noticed some people said it was actually Tyreek Thompson. He um, was moving on that punt, like it was, man, yeah, on that on the run, yeah, yeah. And, and MSU got some energy on that drive, and you thought, hey, maybe maybe they can get a score here. But they end, they end up punting. I believe that's the drive where they end up punting from the thirty six yard line. Oh my god! Down, yeah. down seventeen to nothing. That, I will say it was it was fourth and quite long. I think. Yeah. Uh, fourth but, and nineteen. Yeah, but. That that's a that's a fifty two fifty three yard field goal that Coglin can make if you decide to do that. Uh, but I know it was windy. I mean, you were there. How was the wind relative to everything? I think the wind was a factor. Um, I I yeah, I just don't know what you do in that situation. It's kind of you know, damn if you do, damn if you don't. Um, but yeah, the, the optics just don't look good on that. You know, you punt from the thirty six yard line. Um, and, and that drive summary was 12 plays, 39 yards, <laughs> seven minutes and 36 seconds off the clock. So um, yeah, that was, and that, that was that third quarter lasted 25 minutes of real time. Cause it was MSU's 12 play drive. Then Wisconsin ran like 12 plays and the quarter ended. So yeah, <laughs> that was the whole third quarter. Two possessions. <laughs> yeah. And well, that, that was the other thing you had to know. You weren't going to get a ton of chances. They only ran 18 plays in the first half. You know, you're only yeah. going to have so many opportunities here. Punting didn't seem like the best play to win. Uh, yep. The John L. Smith screwing it up moment of the game. I think one we can look at obvious is the Brian Lewerke pick six. That was going to be their patented slant to Daryl Stewart. One of the few only plays that they can kind of rely on. Linebacker was right there, sniffed it out. It is what it is. Lewerke had taken care of the ball really well up to that point. Um, but what did what, you make of Lewerke's uh, day? Uh, yeah, it was a rough day for him, man. Uh, I might have jinxed him a little bit, but I had been up a little bit last week. But, <laughs> um, you know, yeah, he was he struggled. You know, Wisconsin was the number one defense in, in passing efficiency and, um, you know, yards per game. So he's going up against a really tough defense, but – I, I expected a little bit more from him. You know, you go 7 of 16 for 53 yards and an interception that was returned for a touchdown. That's among his worst, the worst games of his career. Um, and he had been playing, like, really well up until that point. And we talked about, you know, 23 drops, the most in the country. And his receivers haven't exactly helped him out. But I thought against Wisconsin, he was throwing behind them. He's throwing high, just yeah. missing. He looked inaccurate. It looked like, you know, the Brian Lewerke of 2018 when his shoulder was messed up. And this is a guy who's healthy. So... Um, to have a game like that, it, it's just brutal timing. Um, you got to win these games against top competition if you want to have a chance to, you know, play in a big bowl game and you know 
compete for a Big Ten championship. And Lewerke didn't play well enough for MSU to win that game, but no one on offense did, and no, really no one on defense did. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, and he he was the only guy who played well offensively. I think against Ohio State, he kind of carried what they were last year. And so when when your quarterbacks fall, this is not a team that can run the ball or make up for it in any which way. Another candidate I listed for the John L. Smith screwing it up moment of the game, Kenny Wilkes lining up offside on a third and two yeah. in the second quarter uh, after an incomplete pass that would have resulted in a punt, pretty sure, ended up turning into a field goal drive. Uh, there were two off – there were – three offside penalties by MSU, I think, in the first half or something like that. Uh, again, that's that's part of the discipline and, and the little things that that this team has been doing wrong all season, and it and it ends up uh, costing them. And Kenny's had a few of those costly mistakes on, on – costly penalties on, on third down where MSU is expected to get off the field. You know, there's – I think it was in that, that Tulsa game where the only touchdown that, uh, you know, Tulsa scored was because uh, a penalty by Kenny on third down that would have gotten the defense off the field. So I think it happened at one other point in another game. So that's it's kind of like a mental issue for him. He's got to get that taken care of because uh, it's, it's been costing the team a little bit. Yeah, I mean, and the defensive line played well. I don't I don't remember if they got any sacks or not. But again, they they were able to hold Jonathan Taylor. And if you do that, you should you should be in it. But uh, runs to the outside. Jack Cohn's ability to tear apart the defensive backfield. The defense, that was that was the other thing I wanted to talk about, is we, we, we talked the last few years about Michigan State wasting an elite defense with, with, a, with, a, with a crap offense. I don't think that's the case this year. I, it, it, this is not an elite defense, even if they're not getting helped out by the offense. This is this is a good defense. It, it, it's a more than above average. It's a good defense. The defensive line is great. The linebackers are solid to fine, maybe above average. And then the defensive backs are are are, are not are just they're not very good. They're they're not nearly as good as the numbers said going into this game. And I think when Jack Cohn tears you apart, that shows you why. Just soft coverages. Guys open in the flats, poor tackling again, uh, especially from the safeties coming down. Uh, problems that we we don't often see from the MSU defense, and you know we we had questions about the defense backs coming into the year because that was the inexperienced group, and I think we've really seen it in these last two games with the number of uh, big plays they've given up in the passing game. What what were your general thoughts on uh, the defense? Yeah, I mean I look at the secondary, and you know. You mentioned the, the soft coverage. Why are you playing so far back? Teams know how to beat this defense. Like they're the 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 blueprint is out there now. Um, attack the flats, work sideline to sideline, make the DBs tackle in space, or you know run those those you know quick quick outs. Um, so I I don't know. My my thing with the DBs and, and the secondary, you know, coming in the season, you lose a guy like Kari Willis, who's a starting safety in the NFL in year one. Uh, a guy like Justin Lane, well. who's yeah, playing really well. And a guy like Justin Lane, uh, who's really underrated by the time he his career was done. Um, he's playing as good as football as, you know, any cornerback in recent MSU defensive history. So, you know, you lose him, he's he's gone to the third round in the NFL. I think we kind of downplayed the effect of how solid those guys were. You just knew what you were gonna get from them. Um, they were physical guys. They weren't afraid to come up and tackle. You know, they're clo- they had the closing speed to uh, limit some of those those plays that we've seen recently. And those guys are gone. And you know, you got some young guys filling in. Josh Butler, 
is is a good college player, but he has his you know limitations. Um, Xavier Henderson is a sophomore who's still learning on the job. Um, you know, we saw Kalen Gervin get in a little bit in the Ohio State game. had a had a rough game then. Uh, got in a little bit against Wisconsin. So they're still trying to figure out that secondary, um, and that's been a weakness for this team so far. Which this isn't this isn't no fly zone. You know, those those guys are gone, and I think they got to figure that out. Uh, and that's been affecting the defense. Yeah, you know, we a lot of people thought Josiah Scott was an NFL guy, and that. He, he this was talked about whether or not he would redshirt for the for the red box bowl playing four games and some people thought he was going to be gone after this year anyway um he is not having a good season what whatsoever he's not playing like a guy who who um you know could get drafted or something like that that he he was the guy who we thought would be the lockdown guy to to carry that defense backfield and he has had he's had trouble uh, getting beat deep he's had trouble uh, making tackles up low so yeah defensive backfield it's been a whole bunch of problems uh lastly the the mike sadler uh punt of the game plenty of options to choose from with jake hartberger i go his first punt of the game was 61 yards to the 20 it was only returned for five yards great um coverage by dominique dominique long who I think downed another punt inside the five or inside the 10 at some point. He continues to be a terrific gunner for the special teams. And just like the Limerick said, uh, the punt team is, is very tight. Yeah. It's very good uh, special teams punt yeah. there. I think that was the best of his nine attempts of the day. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Colton, how do you plan to spend your bye week? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. I might... You, you said you're not getting players anybody this week, but I assume we're still a D'Antonio presser? Yeah, I think we're getting them Tuesday. So we'll have that, and I think that's it for the week, honestly. Um, so I'm, I'll still have you know, some stories to write, but I, I, this week I might just go back to Chicago and see some, some family and friends, but um, I'll figure it out. <laughs> I'll let you guys know the next podcast. Yes, and keep a lookout uh, on The Athletic for all the stuff we're doing. Colton's got a really good piece coming off of the Wisconsin game that everybody should check out. So we'll be back on Thursday for a big picture look at the program, state of D'Antonio, how far this team has fallen off, mid-season thoughts. We'll go big picture. We'll probably reach out to for some uh, listener questions, Twitter questions. We'll, we'll, we'll try to throw it out. Keep an eye on Twitter for that. I mean to keep plugging our Twitter accounts at the end of this podcast. I always forget to do it, but that's where we'll post some of this stuff. I'm at Chris Vanini on Twitter, C-H-R-I-S-V-A-N-N-I-N-I. Colton, uh, give your handle. That's Colton underscore Pouncey, C-O-L-T-O-N underscore P-O-U-N-C-Y. No E. No E, like the Pouncey twins. So we we may uh, put out some uh, requests for Twitter questions as well as the voicemail. Uh, keep an eye out for that. And please give us any sort of feedback on Twitter about what you guys like about this. We always appreciate it. And we, we appreciate that we're getting a lot of similar people reaching out and stuff. Because uh, we pay attention to like that. We want to know what you guys like and what you don't. We know what you don't like is what's happening on the football field. But we still want to make this podcast plenty enjoyable for you guys. So that'll do it here. For Colton, I'm Chris Vanini. Thanks to our producer, Mike Zimmerman. Shout out to the Road Dog. Jesse James, and we will see you on the other side.